Let's, let's go one more Sunday morning for just a few minutes on the subject of disappointments. Disappointments. You have appointed something and it dissed you. That's a disappointment. Something I set up, something I counted on, something I worked on, something I planned for. And it didn't turn out the way that I had appointed it to turn out. Let me just remind us of some of these words from the Apostle Paul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall the disappointment of tribulation, shall the disappointment of distress, shall persecution or famine or not having enough clothes to put on nakedness or peril, does danger itself, the disappointment of being in a dangerous situation when you thought it was a safe place, does it have the power to separate us from the love of God? Or the peril or sword, but you'll go on to say, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. We don't just cope. We don't just endure, but there is the power given to us by God to be a conqueror in the midst of the things that are meant to disappoint us and distress us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, anything in death tied to death, anything in life tied to life, nor angels, supernatural beings, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things that hadn't happened yet, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to what, church? Separate us, cut us off from, create a distance between the love of God and us, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through disappointments, open doors, comma, greatness awaits. Greatness awaits. In other words, there are some things that you were destined for that can be categorized in the realm of greatness that you'll never see, never get to, unless you walk through that door that nobody wants to walk through, that setting that we all want to avoid, that, that, that thing that can, that can cut us to the core, that doorway of disappointment. Through the open doors of disappointment, greatness awaits. Case in point, in case you've missed the last Sunday or two, case in point, this young man by the name of Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego. Their worlds cratered. Their hearts were blown out. When Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, successfully besieged Jerusalem, and as a part of a temporary peace treaty that he would not he would not take the entire city, destroy the entire city at that time, 602 B.C., that he would in trade for sparing the rest of the city, he would, he would trade a group from within the nobility, the royal family and the nobility connected with him. He, he would take the brightest and the best as a ransom for the rest of the city in 602 B.C. He was powerful enough to do that, probably the most powerful world ruler alive at that time, operating at that time. As we find in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel and his three friends were among that group that were snatched up. There was no democracy working here. There was no citizenship rights in play. A king from a foreign place with his more powerful army besieged the city. When the city sued for peace, the ransom note would be paid by this group, an indetermined number, but probably a fairly substantial number, from the royal family, including the king, the existing king in Israel at that time, members of his family, and the nobility. Picked up, stripped of all of their rank, all of their possessions, all of their identity, and taken to a place where nobody knew them, nobody cared about them. They were called exiles. Exiles, meaning they exited from some place and they were planted under duress, under a greater authority and power in another place. These who did that to them were, in effect, their masters, their lords. They were in absolute control of their lives. Dare I say, dare I even suggest that there could be some in this room who have endured something similar. The disappointment that engulfed you, the disappointment that overtook you has resulted perhaps in some ways with a loss of identity, a loss of respect, a loss of property, a loss of location, and you have found yourself in a place that you would never have imagined that you would be in. No longer free, but in a sense under the control of other circumstances and other individuals. What about that? What about that? It, it, in varying degrees, that can be the story of at least parts of many of our lives. But remember the topic, remember the theme, remember the focus through disappointments, open doors, greatness. Oh, wait. Now, if you only have a God who is good in Jerusalem, this won't work. 
If you only have a God who is good for the setting that you were born into, grew up in, married into, educated for, and then all of that changed, if, if, if your God is parochial, if your God is regional, if your God is limited, then, then there really isn't that much to be said. But if yours is the God of all creation, Yours is the God who says the earth is mine by divine right of creation. I own this earth, this world. Now, there may be temporary other owners with prominent last names in the human realm, but they're going to die. Somebody that they wouldn't probably want to inherit what they have is going to get every penny they got. But when it's all cooked down, when it's all settled down, there is one God, there is one Lord, and he owns this earth so that, so that wherever you end up as a child of his, wherever, you, wherever the circumstances take you as one who has opened your heart up and received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord because you sensed that he was extending an invitation to you, come to me, my child. You, you may have wandered, you may have been at, you may have been at, at that 100th sheep, hard-headed, dumb-spirited, slow to do what's right. But the shepherd says that he has a way of leaving the 99 and going out. Anybody, have, I, have any 99 plus one in this room this morning? So many, so many of us. He came after me. He won my heart. He convinced me of his love for me. Uh, there was brokenness in my life, but some way or another, just to know the knowledge that he loves me has, has healed that wound and filled that emptiness. And I'm, I'm not a stranger. He's my Father, he, my Savior, and my Lord. If, if, that's, if that's who you are, then there is nothing that Satan or all of Satan's armies or all of Satan's leading men or women can do to separate you from the love of the Father for you. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes, For we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, now catch this, for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When Paul wrote that, he was writing it to people whose lives were not necessarily going to stay in the place of the stable or the familiar. They, they were, many of them were going to be caught up in the, the great upheaval and attempt to overthrow Christianity by the Roman government. The government turned again. It was a capital offense to be a Christian. So what Paul does say to ones who are about to, in a sense, lose everything, you're God's masterpiece. He's designed you, worked on you, created you, fashioned you for his delight. And we've been created for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No matter, I, 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 excuse me, I just get a little fired up about this and I can't help it. I just can't help it. There's hope all the way through this. It's shot through with nothing but hope. No matter what your circumstances have been, no matter what the future may look like for you, the plans of God for your life 
formed, fashioned, set in place before you ever drew a breath, before your mother ever knew your name. Those plans, those good works that God has set in motion ahead of time, you will walk them out in your life. No, no matter if it's Jerusalem or if it's Babylon, no matter if it's in the place of familiarity or if it's even in a place of hostility and you live in total obscurity, God is God. And those who are in opposition to your life, those who would hate or who would hate you enough to seek to destroy you, as was the case, they are not powerful enough to undo what God sees and has set in motion for your life. Okay, case in point again, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and as the, the child in Sunday school said, away we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. Look again, Daniel chapter 1. I just want to read this first part again. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, not all of them, but some of them. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God as if to say, my God's bigger than you, God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the, key, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. That's how Daniel and his three friends get included in this disappointment. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. That was to be a course of study that would endure three years, last three years. And then at the end of that time, they would be brought and interviewed by the king to see whether or not he would pick them to be members of his personal court, his personal uh, entourage, if you will. Look at verse 8. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And you remember the rest of that story, how he and his three friends were allowed to test that process for several days. At the end of that time, Daniel had said, check us out, see what we look like, see what, if you feel like that, that it's been worth it for you to risk this change of procedure with the king. And if it works out fine, we'll continue. If it doesn't work out, then we'll, we'll, go, we'll eat what you tell us to eat. Here's the point. I mean, this is a sub-point of a great big point, and I'm not sure what the big point is except that Daniel, Daniel never gave up on his God. He never quit believing even though he had been geographically located, even though his dreams had been dashed, even though what he thought would be his future 
cannot be his future anymore. He's in an entirely different place. He never gave up on his God. He refused to accept that it was that God was so mad at him that that's why this bad thing happened. Or that God was only powerful in his little realm, his little group of people, his little streets and his city. He literally and actually believed as a young man. Now, he's probably in his teens. He may be 17, 18 years old. But in his heart, he determined not to give up on his God. But, but it says, but Daniel made up his mind that he wouldn't. He didn't have authority over everything, folks, that had to do with his life. He, he couldn't make all of his choices. But in the area that he felt like he did have a shot at making a choice, Here's what he wanted to prove. If I will honor God, God will honor me. If I will honor God, God will honor me. Would you say that back to me just like you mean it? If I will honor God, God will honor me. Now here's Daniel. Daniel didn't have anybody to look to the left or to the right necessarily. He had his three friends. But it's just significant that it's recorded here. But Daniel made up his mind. Listen, folks, for those of you who have progressed through that doorway that you never wanted to walk through, that door of disappointment in your life, but you, you walked on through it, and, and you've got a season now where you can look back and you can see that, that, that things, things have worked out, things have been better than what you thought they were, I believe you could trace it back to at some point in time early on, you made up your mind. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to crawl under a rock. I'm not going to believe the lies that are out there saying God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God's not able. No. You made up your mind. You might have even gotten in your closet, stomped your foot, and said, I am going to trust you. I don't understand what's happened to me. I don't know why I'm here. But you're God. I'm not. And I choose to trust you. You are good. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's a little thing. It's a little thing, it seems like. But it was a massive point of departure for Daniel. We don't even know who the rest of those exiles were. There may be a few names here or there. But the only way, as I mentioned last week, the only way we know Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the only way we know them, is that when they were forced to pass through that door of disappointment, they passed through it, but they passed through it with the determination, I'm going to honor God. With whatever rights I have, whatever little privileges I have, with whatever discretionary time I have, I will honor him because I believe if I will honor him, he will honor me. End of statement, bottom line, it all begins there. And that means that he was trusting the trust. Solomon would say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. No matter if you're on the pre-side of the door of disappointment or you're on the post-side of disappointment. Trust in the Lord with all your heart regardless. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Amen? That, and sometimes you need some folks who have lived a little while rather than some of us are about, you know, that, that freshman, sophomore stage of this thing that are still trying to wonder if it really is true. But you get some veterans. 
You're some ones who've got a few arrows sticking out their backside. You, you get a few, maybe have one eye kind of closed because they've been shot at and are hitting the head. But they'll tell you, it doesn't mean that you won't have conflict. It doesn't mean that folks won't come after you. It doesn't mean that people won't be jealous of who you are and the blessings that are upon your life. But here's what, here's what you will know. He will never fail you. He'll never drop you. He'll never forget about you and take off with somebody else. He'll never abandon you. He will never leave you. And folks, I just, I'm, I just say, sometimes you've got to end up in Babylon before you know that's the truth. If everything has always been comfortable, everything's always been familiar, everything's always been predictable, everything in a sense has always been under control, we, we, it's all theory that God will never leave you and never forsake you. It's only in those seasons of our lives which are destined more than likely to come to all of us, unless he calls us to heaven ahead of time, we're going to find ourselves in those places where it looks like God's dropped me. It looks like he's abandoned. It looks like he's failed me. But somewhere down in your spirit, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me and his voice to your spirit saying, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Disappointment has a way of undressing us. It has a way of removing the makeup. It has a way of exposing the fake self and the role playing and the, the external. Disappointment has a way of taking you to your core, what you really believe in and what are just suggestions and possibilities and theories and philosophies. But disappointment also has a way of demonstrating character. Not destroying character, but demonstrating character. Disappointment take you to a bigger and better world. Disappointment has a way of conveying gifts and abilities that you didn't even know you had and maybe didn't have until you stepped through the door of disappointment. And disappointment has the ability to give your life significance. Disappointment has the ability used by God to give your life significance. What is the first thing we note about this young man, Daniel? He, he was just one of many, except for the fact that he determined, he made up his mind that he was not going left, right, backwards. He was going to trust his God. He made up his mind that he would honor the Lord even in the little stuff. Well, God, I'll, 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 I'll live for you when all this stuff works out. No, you won't. No, we won't. When I get this new job, when I get this to work out, when I get married to that person, then I'm all yours, God. I'm all, no, you're not. No, you're not. It, it, it starts in the little. The Lord will say, you get faithful in the little stuff, and I'll make you faithful in the much. That's a promise. Faithful in the little. Cook it down. That's why it's just so significant that it's recorded in the word about Daniel. Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself in the one area that he thought he might be able to have the opportunity to protect some purity. And he wouldn't have even had that if God hadn't given favor upon the one who had authority over him. He was basically a slave. 
Again, he couldn't eat or drink or do anything without permission. But God saw and God knew, and that would set him up for some other amazing things and amazing opportunities. The great things about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we remember them. I want to throw this in here too while we're talking about disappointment. Disappointment is the, is the past. Disappointment is the past. It only becomes your future if you let it. Disappointment is something then. It only rules over your today if you choose to let it. But if the exception or if the, if the conclusion is, my God has plans for me, plans for a future and plans for a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, spoken specifically by the prophet Jeremiah to Daniel and his one, his friends and others who were in Jerusalem. Not for calamity, not for destruction, but the Lord says they're in Babylon. They're in this place where nobody knows you from Adam's house cat. I know you, and I have plans for you. Plans for a future, a future, a future, a future. Not plans to keep you looking in the rearview mirror and driving off a cliff because you're stuck on yesterday to give you a future. Hallelujah. To give you a future and a hope. Disappointment beyond description broken, crushed heart beyond any human remedy. But the Lord says to those very ones, I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah 2011, 2911. Not, not for destruction, not for, but to give you a future and to give you a hope. Somebody listening to this, this hollering country preacher, somebody needs to let that in. I'm not talking to the one behind you or the one next to you. If disappointment has broken your heart, if disappointment has crashed your dreams. But there's been a point in your life where you opened your heart up to Jesus Christ and you received him as your Savior and Lord, then every promise that is in Christ is yours. Everything that God's able to do, you have access to because of his love for you. Scripture will say that he even has the ability to restore the years that the locust has eaten. That he can cause the sun to stand still if he needs to. He can cause days to be longer. He can cause nights to be shorter. He, he's, he's able. He's able. Now, again, you can let disappointment rule you, but only if you let it. You have to be, do like old Daniel did, but Daniel. You've got to have a but Daniel moment in your life. But Daniel made up his mind that he would do that which honored his God. And on the basis of that, we read the rest of this book, and it's just absolutely almost incredible what God does with this exile, these four exiles. They were nothing. They were nobodies. They, nobody owed them anything. But they were handpicked, chosen, servants of the Most High God, and they didn't really realize that at the time. But God knew who they were. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. And he knows the plans that he has for you. Well, somewhere in here, there is the text. And I've just gotten to chasing so many rabbits, I don't even know. 
Now, let's give you a few things just to where you are, God is. Open doors of disappointment. In the place of disappointment, where you are, God is. Honor him and he will honor you. When you find that he is all you have, you will find that he is also all you need. Daniel had no, that Daniel had no favor. That, that they had no favor anywhere except that which God would put in the hearts of people and cause them to favor them. That, that they, didn't, they didn't have a court they could appeal. It wouldn't matter if they got a lawyer. All they had was God. All they had was God. Who in this room would say, there'd been a time in my life, things change, but there's been a time in my life when all I had was God. Now let me tell you what that, let me tell you what you are when you're there. You're free, you're free, you're free. It puts people and it puts things in perspective. People can own you. Things can determine things for you and your choices. But you're free when all you have is God. And, and, and then you've seen him come through. You, you're dangerous. You are dangerous when you know that. So nobody else can own you. You know, mama can't own you. Daddy can't own you. Business can't own you. Sickness can't own you. Economic upturns, downturns, can't own. Nobody can own because you know what it is to only have the Lord. I know somebody's in there, well, I, 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 yeah, that, that preaches good, preacher. You're preaching to the choir. All the folks there on Sunday morning. But, but I live in the real world. Well, Daniel was right f- f- flack dab, smack dab in the middle of the, there wasn't, there wasn't a Bible, the, the New Testament hadn't even been written, the, the temple is about 500 miles away, there are no rabbis, there are nobody, totally, totally a secular culture, totally a pagan environment, totally not anything churchy about it, but Daniel made up his mind. I mean, see, they weren't being, they weren't going to be taught, you know, the, 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 the first five books of the Bible. It wasn't a carryover from, from Jerusalem, and they're going to set up an extension of a Jerusalem Bible seminary in, in Babylon. No, they were going to be instructed in Babylonian theology, in Babylonian culture. They were required to learn a language they couldn't even speak or understand. It was in that setting of total secularity that God showed up. And God gave Daniel and those three young men the ability to not just cope, not just compete in that secular environment, but to conquer it, but to excel in it. Oh, I just want to to get right next to some some of of our students that head off to school or some of you that are in trade schools or some of you working your way up through a corporate situation. And I want to say to you, don't you think for one New York minute, however short that is, that when you walk out of this building, you're going to turn around and you're going to see the face of Jesus pressed against those doors watching you go out. No. I'll never leave you, he said. I'll never forsake you. Christ in me is my hope. So wherever I am, My hope is steadfast. My hope is solid. Christ in me. 
He can give you the ability to learn. He can give you the ability to build. He can give you the ability supernaturally to work with people and administrate things and come up with solutions that nobody else has got as Daniel. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. He wasn't in the church. He was in the middle of, you know, of, of corporate Babylon. The administration of Nebuchadnezzar II. And God blessed him in the middle of that. I, I, that's what Jesus sent us all to do. Instead of us, well, the Christians are lazy. The Christians are sloppy. The Christians work around here. They'll lie to you. You can't count on them. They're late. Huh. That ought to never be said about a child of God. It ought to be said that the way we conduct our business and do what we do causes there to be no reproach, no insult of any kind back at the name of Jesus, the name who we bear. We're first. We're not late. We're honest. We'll give it everything we got. And on top of that, secretly, without anybody knowing it, our office or our cubicle or front seat of your car has become a place where you take everything that's assigned to you straight into the throne room of glory. And you're asking the God of all creation to give you what it is that you need to operate and to do right and to be a blessing to you. Daniel progressed because he was a blessing to Nebuchadnezzar. Now let me just say that again, lest somebody pass out, fall on the floor, and we got a call for EMS. You mean to tell me that God would so order it that somebody as sorry, as cruel, as mean, as, as egotistical as Nebuchadnezzar would find himself blessed by somebody whom God sent and enabled him to interpret his dreams that he couldn't understand, gave him the ability to, to speak peace to a troubled world ruler. Let me ask you a question. How big is your God? How big is he? Let me ask you another question. Who does he love? Just you? Just folks who vote like you? Huh? Say, preach it, preacher. Preach it. I need to help myself a little bit this morning. Who vote like you do, or who, who, who think like you do, who, who have opinions that you do, who, who are down on certain people like you're down on people. God just loves us. Well, you read this, and God had a plan for this old sorry, knucklehead, reprobate, destroyer named Nicodemus. Nicodemus. That's what happens. Sometimes these Bible words all get to going in here. Nebuchadnezzar II, thank you very much. Nebuchadnezzar II, the Lord wanted to bless Nebuchadnezzar. And guess who he picked? He picked a young man who had come through the doorway of disappointment. But he got through the doorway of disappointment trusting his God looking to the Lord, believing that if I will honor him, he'll honor me. I don't know how that's going to work out exactly, but lo and behold, something Daniel didn't even know he had. God knew who he had, and it began to operate this ability to understand dreams. 
You see, David was a warrior. David was a soldier. David could shoot and fight and do all those kind of things. But that wasn't Daniel. Daniel had the ability of wisdom. Daniel had the ability to, to hear something from the Lord and to speak it in a way that it could be understood. That, that may be where some of you are. Disappointment has left you in a place where you wonder, how could this be a bigger place? How could this be a better place? How could God use me here? Well, it may not be that he'll use you in ways that you once were used in, in a sense, your other life. But what if, because of what he's showing you and shown you about himself, and he's got your ear real close to his heart, because you don't have a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Your, your ear, all you have is him, and your ear is pressed close to his chest. And so when he has something that he wants to speak to your family or speak to someone around you or even speak to someone who's of great importance because you're listening, he can speak to you, and he can put it in your heart to deliver. Daniel's was not the gift of war. Daniel's was the gift of winsome wisdom. And that's an opportunity that many of us, if we won't give up, if we won't check out, if we won't drive the rest of our life with our eyes stuck on the rearview mirror of what life used to be, we're out of there. That, that, that's not today, that's not tomorrow, that was yesterday, grateful for it, blessed about it. But the disappointment that has thrust me into this place, I believe the Lord would want us to understand, is a doorway through which we walk for greatness that he has in his mind to demonstrate through your life through your life. Now, what I wanted to do was, was to read down through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace, and then skip a couple of chapters. That's in chapter 4 or 2. Then skip over to a couple of chapters, and, and the, the, about Daniel and the lion's den. Yeah. Daniel and the lion's den. So, Daniel was a young man. No, more than likely, Daniel was, was in his 70s or 80s when the lion's den situation showed up. Here's just a clue. Here's just a clue. Apostle Paul says, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He will say, I can do all things through the one who is giving me strength. Paul will also say the kingdom of God is not words, but the kingdom of God is power. Here's the clue. Here's a key. One of the things that it seems like the father delights the most to show his children, to invite them into and experience as their own, is his power, his power, his power. 
But see, you don't need power. You don't need the power of God if everything is comfortable in your life. If everything is familiar, if you know everybody, you know all the streets, you know everything, you don't need power. But disappointment can thrust us into the place that if we don't know the power of God, we won't survive. So he delights to show his power. If I would ask different ones of you to stand up in that place of disappointment, in your life, what was the setting of power that God showed you? You were about to get fired again. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were about to, you were facing some medical situation, maybe for the first time or maybe again. It could have been any number of things. You're already in a tough place. You're already in a place where it's easier to look back than it would be to look forward. But even in that place, he did something for you. He came out of heaven in a sense, and he stopped something else from happening. He brought you out, brought you out of the quicksand and set your feet on a rock. He opened doors of favor and opportunity with folks. You see, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got out of the furnace, the number one spectator in the audience was old Neb himself. He said, I thought we threw three men in there. Who's that fourth one? And they're walking around. They were thrown in, tied. The only thing, as the preachers have said in the past, the only thing that the furnace did was just burn off of them the things that bound them up when they got in. Burned off the ropes, didn't burn the clothes, didn't singe the hair. And Nebuchadnezzar, come here. And they wanted to, he wanted to know, who is that? What is this? But he made the confession, it's because you trusted in your God. You weren't trusting in me. I had threatened you. You, you trusted in your God, and he delivered you. Daniel. Survives three administrations, Nebuchadnezzar II, then Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son, and then Darius, the father king in the last of that 70-year period who would allow the Israelites to come back and rebuild the temple and the city. 70 years into it. But they tricked Darius into the thing where you've got to take, not allow anybody praying anybody else except you for 30 days. And they were, Daniel was the target. He was the sole target. They knew what he had to do, the ones who were jealous of him. He prayed. They caught him. They called it to the attention of the king. They held the king legally liable. It's the law of the Medes and Persians, which can't be violated, so you've got to do it. And, and a king threw Daniel in the lion's den Covered it with a stone, put his regal signet on the, on the deal so it couldn't be violated. An old king was frustrated. I don't know whether he was old or young, but he, the king was frustrated that he couldn't deliver Daniel. He didn't, he didn't hardly sleep that night. It says at the break of day, he got up the next morning and went, <laughs> hollered into that darkness, into that, into that lion's den, that old hole in the ground. Daniel! Was your God in whom you always trust able to deliver you from these lions? Dramatic pause. 
Dramatic pause. We don't know how. We don't know if Daniel was so sound asleep, he had to wake up. He was so worried about it. But eventually, eventually the cry came back from Daniel. Oh, king, live forever. The God, the God who is my God, anyway, rescued me. And, 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 and so they pulled Daniel up out, and, 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 the, and the king there is making this confession of the one true and living God. Well, sometimes we, the reason we end up in the middle of nowhere, the reason we end up in a hostile situation is because God has designs on the ones who are even the leaders of that hostile situation. They've never heard about the one true living God. They've never heard about the power of Jesus Christ. They've never known anybody who could love instead of hate and be vindictive. And so you, you get picked out. You may not have biceps the size of a basketball. You may not be able to pull a bow back. You may not be able to run over a scale of wall with troops on the other side of it like Dave would talk about. But little old you, little old you, standing there with her eyes on heaven. And heaven speaks and heaven gives courage and heaven gives strength to not quit but to stand there. And some way, somehow, somebody's watching and somebody gets a message that would have gotten it in no other way than God doing what he's chosen to do through you. I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing as a true follower of Jesus Christ being in any situation where you're by yourself. I gotta, I'm going to finish with this. I promise. And when we're going to sing a song, and Josh is going to help me. Need Josh's help. Listen to this. This is Paul. Last letter he wrote, 2 Timothy. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. 2 Timothy 3 or 4.17. At my first defense, no one supported me, verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's saying, there was a time when no human body could I see that was in support of me. No one stood with me. But listen, the Lord stood with me. And I know he was standing with me because I got strength inside of me. And as a result of that strength, I was able to keep telling what I needed to tell so that the ones who had never heard could hear it. They can be asking about you, where in the world does she get her strength? Why won't she just give up on God? Why won't she just quit? How does he keep going? They don't know your secret. But what the Lord may be intending to happen is that the more they watch you, the more they're going to want to know what's in you. And you'll have to be the first one to say, it's not me. I'm as, I'm as chicken as a rooster. And nothing, nothing brave about me. But there is somebody whom I'm trusting. Somebody who's forgiven me. Somebody who's loved me even though I've been in all kinds of mess.
And he, through his living strength, is giving me the ability to just stand here. Folks, listen, sometimes it's just, it's just that you'll stand and you won't run. That causes your reputation to exceed anything that you would know for the glory of God. Here, here, here's, what, here's what disappointments. Get ready, Josh. I'm coming your way, brother. You all better hope he starts singing before I do. Here, here, here's, what, here's what disappointment teaches us. It teaches us how to lean on him. Learning to lean on Jesus. That a boy. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean. On Jesus. Let's sing that through again. It, and you may just want to raise your hand. That's my song, you know. To lean, learning to lean. Disappointments open door. Learning to lean on Jesus. Here's the truth. Finding more power than I ever. Let's do it one more time, Josh. One more time through. One more time through. Learning to lean. Close your eyes and see if you can sing this without looking at the words. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power. Finding more power than I ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. You know, one day, one day somebody in your family, one day maybe one of your kids, one day somebody in your family may write the story of your life. And as you think about that possibility, you, you can say, well, I, I, know they, I know they won't be able to talk about this because they didn't have any of that or they, about this place because I've never been there. But what if the thing that will stand out the most in their minds about you is the same things that stand out the most in our minds <laughs> about Daniel. He was a man. Come hell or high water, in season or out, drought or flood, he had his eyes set on the Lord to trust the Lord. And we didn't, when he didn't have any place else to go, when he didn't have any other resource you never felt like that he was helpless. 
because his eyes were on the God of all creation, the lover of his soul. Somehow he just knew that his God would take care of him. Be that person in your family. May we all be. You know, we, we joke about it, but we've I've been, done a lot of funerals at sunset. I've done a lot of funerals. There are places around this part of there is There is no double-wide burial spot where, you, where you, you bury the body and then you pull the U-Haul up and you sink it right next to it. We leave it behind. We leave it behind. We leave it behind. We leave it behind. But what we don't leave behind is the lingering influence of our lives coming from maybe the toughest, saddest, hardest places of our lives but where in that place, the ones who were watching us were seeing that we were trusting him. Because the day will come when they'll be in that spot too. And $500 or $1,000 won't make any, it won't help them a bit. But what will help them is, you know, I, 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 I saw my aunt, I saw my father, I saw my grandmother, I saw them in the place of real hurt. I watched them trust. I was amazed at the way they didn't give up. They just kept trusting, and there, there was a calmness and a peace about their lives. Far more valuable than stocks and bonds and properties and production, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They learn from us how to live when the bottom falls out. By the grace of God, may we be that person in our family and those around us. Amen. Amen. It's your fault that it's 1231. <clears throat> I'm telling you. If y'all had just all gone to sleep or walked out of here, we'd have been done 20 minutes ago. But you just, there's just something about you. There's something about the eagerness. There's something about the openness when you come in here. And it's just, you're, you're a joy and a delight to open the Word of God with and speak to. So, so thank you. Thank you. Prayer partners, would you join me here as we close this time? If we, if we can pray with you this morning, you know, we say it every week, and it, it, maybe this is the Sunday it'll drop in your heart. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it, it all starts there, that, that the sense that you open your heart up to receive him. You, you may not see anything or hear anything or get a buzz in your bones, but the Lord said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be forgiven, will be lifted up and out, will be set free. So if it's in your heart to call upon the name of the Lord, and his name is Jesus, then we'd love to pray with you and talk with you about that. You don't even have to be in here to do that. You go be in the front seat of your pickup truck, heading out somewhere, going to Taco Cabana, and then you, and you just... You just know I, 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 can't, I, can't go a, I can't go a quarter mile further. I need to settle this. I, I'm hearing something, Lord, and all I'm doing is saying, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I want you in my life. Yes, Lord, I, I want your forgiveness through your death for me on the cross. You say, well, how, 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 how will I know anything happened? 
the one who said, let there be, and all the lights came on. There's no way he can come and be alive in your heart and you not know it. <laughs> different things, different ways with different folks, but you, you'll know in your knower that something has changed you. And it's a somebody else coming to live inside your chest. It's not copying Jesus. It's not trying to act like Jesus. It's just that he has come to live inside the new birth. Please come this way if we can pray with you. Head out and don't forget your children as you go that way, as we say. If you need to hug some more necks before you go and speak something to somebody, you do that. But we'll be here to pray with you if we can, if we can help. God bless you.